0: Hey, what's up everybody welcome back to the show the houseless podcast my name is peter agost and i'm your host and the producer thank you so much for tuning in we're getting a good momentum going with these weekly shows some new listeners and people uh reaching out i really appreciate it thank you so much a uh, really quick want to shout out the pantheon podcast network who have been helping me keep the ball rolling and jerry who's been uh, engineering this um you can uh, go to their website to to find um, all the different ways you can listen to the Houseless podcast: Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, etc. Today's episode is super special. It came together um, uh, quite um, spontaneously, and sometimes those are the best ones. There's a few uh, back in the uh, in the show's history that kind of came together day of or even a few hours uh, before recording, and this is no exception. Annika is my guest today. Annika Henderson uh, from uh, um, the UK by way of uh, Berlin and has traveled all over the world, uh, performer, writer, and uh, but also just like a very, very uh, super interesting person. Uh, we used to work together doing some shows and touring when, around the time that her self-titled uh, release came out uh which actually came out on stone's throw label here in la many of you i'm sure are familiar with and peanut butter wolf um originally is the one that kind of put me up on her music and put us in touch uh probably around like 2010 11. the album super super cool unique record uh backed by the band beak and the sort of the production driven by jeff barrow of uh, portishead um a very well um promoted and and written about release so that was kind of like the era that annika and i were working uh together and i hadn't seen her in in several years uh, since basically that like chapter of her career and uh she also lives in berlin so i'm not there that often either and so she's in town for desert days music festival here in la and um her manager is a close friend of mine west and we were hanging out and um and he kind of connected us uh, to record this conversation which i was super um excited and wanted to do and uh, have been wanting to kind of reconnect with her and to talk about what she's got going on in fact i learned a lot of uh, new projects too that she has like in the works or that kind of came out in the last couple of years so if you're like only familiar with her her record on Stone throw or the self-titled album um, this is a great way to catch up with the stuff that she's been doing. Like, in fact, two full albums on, on the Sacred Bones imprint, um, for, uh, her new or her newer band project exploded view. And, uh, and then we kind of touch on a bunch of stuff. It was, it was great. Like it was one of those things that hadn't seen her in a while. So we just like kind of picked up and, and started catching up. And I wish that like we could have uh, kept going too, because we ended up actually it's a really great conversation. I'm gonna share it with you in a sec, and I appreciate your you guys listened to me set this up too, because then we we all like reconnected, went out to dinner afterwards. We went to Musso and Frank's in Hollywood, and uh, and then uh, West and I and his buddy we went to Goldline, the the DJ spot in Highland Park here in LA that uh, Peanut Butter Wolf and the Stones Throw. Brass opened up a year ago, and she was DJing. Great DJ set, too. It was all hip-hop, which was awesome, and uh, great selections. So it was, it was cool, Like, um, uh, and it was just really great to connect with her. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, it kind of paints a, a pretty interesting uh, picture of an artist, especially one that's lived and traveled in different places, kind of collaborated with a, a pretty wide range of, of other artistic minds. So, and there's a lot of people I've sort of met like that along the way. Uh, and they're always like really intriguing to me. So I'm hoping that this kind of illuminates a little bit more of what she's been working on and her process a little bit too, but beyond just being a performer, I mean, she was like a show promoter and a writer. Uh, so one of those people I can kind of relate to that too. And I know there's probably people that listen to the show. That can as well, that sort of have done a bit of everything from performing to the industry to like, you know, documenting things and writing about it and all that. So I kind of really engage with that level, all in all. So it was a treat. And, um, you know, if this is your first time listening, go back to some of the other shows I've done. I think you'll find some pretty um, cool contemporaries of Annika in that general sound as you scroll back, however you listen to podcasts. So cool, man, let's just check this out then. Enjoy my conversation. He, recorded here in LA with the one and only Annika. Check it out, show So, I mean, uh, and we can really kind of start anywhere. Um, uh, but I guess, you know, since um, I haven't seen you in quite a long time, no. um, which was probably uh, now Maybe, like, 2011 or something like that. I don't know, like...
1: I'm sure we saw each other in between somewhere, I'm sure.
0: Um, yeah, perhaps, yeah. But not
1: really, but we haven't really been working together since then.
0: Right, and the, I mean, I feel like there was, like, kind of a pretty big break between mm. that period of time of, you, of, like, your trips to the U.S., touring and oh, stuff, yeah, and then sure. where yeah. you are now, because... Yeah. I even not until very recently did I even become I guess like familiar with um exploded view. Yeah. So which is like somewhat recent.
1: Yeah. Like. Well, it started in 2000 and uh, I think 2015 maybe or 2014 oh. I started going there. It was about 5 years ago now. Yeah. Uh it was when I wanted to quit music and I thought I'd run away to Mexico to escape Berlin. Oh, okay. And yeah. And to pay the flight, I got a, a gig in Mexico City, but I realized I didn't have a band. So um, I managed to a friend of mine, uh, the one that helped me. That well, it's a long story. I don't know if I. Well, we started just started a conversation, or... so we can yeah. we can go there. But um, um. but yeah, no, it was, it was just it, it, this has happened multiple times in in my sort of music career. Mm-hmm. Every time I tried to quit. I would be dragged back in, in, in an indirect way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's how it began. I was quitting my job as a promoter and I've i met Jeff and then we right. made an album and, and then I ran away and became a journalist and then...
0: Yeah, so you were journalism. promoting in, in Bristol?
1: In uh, Cardiff and Bristol, actually, both, okay. yeah. Like, as a
0: concert, as, like, a party promoter?
1: Uh, Concert and party. In Cardiff, I was working for um, three venues in an art gallery doing their... I was originally employed as a... um, to do sort of PR for them, um, and then... Uh, when I arrived, they had stopped doing uh, live shows because of some issues with the council serving them sound restraint orders. Mm-hmm. So then I said, "Oh, but this is kind of a shame. What do you want me to promote? You're just now a bar. You know, that's that you've just right. lost a big side of you, what you do." So I ended. Up, so they said, "Okay, well, if you want to try and put on shows, go for it." So I started to put on shows and found a way around, around it. So then I became a promoter, and then um,
0: who were you booking? Um, who did I
1: locals? Book? No, like I was booking touring bands as well. The funny thing is some of the bands I ended up um, encountering again later down the line, but as a band. And, mm-hmm. and so it was weird. No, we were booking um, also for bigger shows.
0: Uh, so you were like dealing with agents and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, Interesting. yeah. So yeah I, know, I never really realized that.
1: Yeah, no, I was booking, uh, you know, with agency group and Little Big and stuff like that. Right. And uh, I can't even remember, but I never, luckily, none of them ever really drew the, made the link between me and that that person back then. Interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you existed in two different ways.
1: Yeah. Well, because back then I was also managing some bands and I set up a small label of local bands and uh-huh. released it on CD using, uh, and the CD was produced by a guy, um, Blade, the, the 90s The rapper? Yeah. No way. Really? He he burnt all the CDs in his little CD factory, like in, I don't know where. Oh, so he was manufacturing. He was manufacturing the CDs. Wow. That when we released, and it was a free release because we ended up, um, it was just me and a colleague of mine, uh, uh, I I set up this magazine and then Mm -hmm. put the CD for free with it. Oh, cool. And then released local bands that were not able to play in the venues because the venues were being shut down. It was a bit of a weird. What so, was
0: the zine? Was a music thing, or was it more? Yeah, it everything? was.
1: Well, yeah, it was all a bit. Com- what? Well, um, where do I, I? I feel like I'm. I keep going backwards from. starting at the, the end and going backwards. But the because I was the PR person at one point, they wanted me to start up a, a company for them, like a promotions company. They wanted to start putting on more events. Um, and then it got to a point when. I said, yeah, well, we're sending all these people out with the flyers for all the different venues. Right. And why don't we just come up with something where we could give it out together? Yeah. So then uh, I created a magazine. So I got enough funding from, got out enough advertising to make it work. Hmm. And then I um, put together this CD of the local bands and released it with, or well, then we just put it in everything in these pack things.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you were kind of... Uh... So then you've kind of done every like job that you can in the industry before performing. Apart
1: from being the musician. Uh, yeah, it was just, I was just desperately trying to make the venues work and bring these bands to Cardiff and stop. You know, I, I, there were people that I just wanted to keep the scene yeah going in that way. And then- Did you grow up there?
0: No. In Cardiff?
1: I went to university there. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then I was a journalist there for a bit. Um, yeah, it was just, I don't know. And then, uh, I was so burnt out after a year and a half of doing that because I was also DJing the nights, putting on the party nights. Then I took over the graphic design at some point and then, and working with the chef to relaunch the food menu, like every aspect of the business. Then it was just like, Oh, I can't do it anymore. And I quit. And the day I was having a meeting to ask for a pay rise, uh, Jeff called just before the meeting saying, Oh, um, I got your number. Like let's meet up. Um, And then I said, oh, I didn't know who it was. I was like, oh, can you just call me back later? I've got this meeting. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I went into the meeting and and said, like, can I maybe get a bit more money? Because I'm working like crazy and I'm on hardly any money, you know. And they said, well, you should feel privileged to have this position and we give you so much freedom. So I said, Okay, I've been here for a year and a half, you know, thanks for that freedom. And I really appreciate the job, but I have to move on now. Right. So I quit my job and I phoned this weird guy back and it was Jeff. Um, so not even
0: knowing that that's who was calling you, that no, Jeff I, Barrow was no, calling No,
1: I still didn't know until I think after about four sessions who he was. Oh, that's cool. So, I'm
0: sure he probably, that may have brought you guys closer then too. Oh, definitely, having, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, because when, when I phoned him back, he was like, oh, are you going to be in Bristol um, soon? And I was like, well, to be honest, I've got nothing else to do now because I just quit my job. And um so i went to bristol and uh, he he picked me up from the station i remember and we were driving to the old invader studio and oh, just yeah. i was just so mad at the industry at that time because i was like you know i i i dedicated a year and a half of my life to yeah. trying and and my motives really were just I, I loved music and i wanted to promote the scene and and i just there were so many things that were just driving me nuts about it and yeah so we were just bitching the whole way to the studio and 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 never really thought about what we were going to do you know
0: oh cool well I mean that's a thankless job I mean those being a promoter being like running a zine like Mm. these are things that historically don't really pay well or and you're oftentimes like kind of you know especially being a promoter can be kind of tricky because you can spend a lot of time and not making any money and you're only as good as whatever you can offer someone to so um yeah because i did that for many years as well so i yeah. can fully relate to that but i think mm. uh, you
1: know i think it's nice as a artist when you actually uh when you've done all these different jobs because i know a lot of oh, people yeah. that have just been an artist and yeah. they treat journalists like shit or they treat promoters like shit oh yeah y- y- you know and you just think but we all need each other in order for this to work one isn't you know as the artist you're not like the special one um you still need uh, the journalists to write about what you're doing, and you still need the promoter. To, otherwise, you'll just be sitting in your house. You know what you what you're gonna do. Right. And um, yeah, it's always a bit of a shame when there is no need to treat people like shit. I mean, if they're being if they're being a bit of a, yeah, yeah, it depends. Well, yes, obviously, so yeah, you, definitely. Yeah, but I mean, that's what's been great about this project. Um, most of the people, especially in the last years, because the original album, like hyped album, came out such a long time ago. All these weird projects I've done since are only really noticed by the enthusiasts. Oh yeah. So I'm only ever really booked or people only really approach to book a show because they're really into music. Right. And the people that come to the shows are usually only really into the music.
0: Yeah. Well if you look at that first the record that you injected to like the songs that that you guys chose yeah. to do what obviously would probably attract like some pretty like sophisticated tastes because there are these like pretty um you know uh s- just very specific sounding covers mm. you know um which is pretty adventurous you yeah
1: know. yeah but at the beginning i mean the project was booked more for um you know some more of these sort of hype high- Things. And where the promoter doesn't really give a shit about you, they just want to make money. Right. But now the bookings that I get, often I know that you know sometimes they go really oh, well, yeah. and the promoter will do well on it. But I know, you know I really respect that they're taking that risk because it is risky. You know I haven't really released the mainstream thing in in not that that was mainstream, but at least it was getting a bit more. Yeah, I don't know, but it, I respect the risk that the promoter takes. Yeah. So. Sure. And they usually. Yeah, it's usually, a, they've been really, yeah you know, I've been really lucky with the promoters and the people that come to the shows. And it's, yeah. It's when you
0: were writing, you weren't doing any, like, music journalism stuff, were you? Or that, I guess that a scene little, sort of was? Right? Yeah,
1: a little bit. When I was at university, I I was interviews editor and head of the, what was it, music something, I don't even remember. Oh, for, like, the paper? Yeah, for mm-hmm. so like the student paper. So that's right. the only time I ever really did music journalism. Right,
0: because the re- then it like would you were doing like more political writing. Yeah, there. then
1: after yeah, it was more political or architecture most recently. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, a bit random, but that was just a little job that I had to do.
0: And well, so where are you now? Where do you live now?
1: Uh, I live in Berlin, but I'm not really. I, I've lived in Berlin for the last ten years. Yeah. Like the last, but then the sort of for five years I was working with exploded view and, um, I was m- more in Mexico city than I was in Berlin. So. Oh wow. So there
0: for like long periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing.
1: So that was, that was great actually. And the last year, of, well, since, um, the end of last year, we have been taking a break. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, uh, just to focus on some other things that actually pay cause exploded view is a bit of a hobby right. project. We were all paying into it, you know, to, to make it work.
0: But that's all original material, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is because I, because I've just started to like absorb those, that stuff. Yeah. It's, um, so it's kind of nice for me as a, as a, almost like a new listener to that because of how familiar I am with the your first kind of wave of like those recordings that when we were working together to yeah. the sort of the stone's throw era of those yeah. releases, because those, are like ingrained in my psyche because oh, really? of how much we, for, you know, yeah. in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like pretty nice to hear, yeah, your own writing translate yeah. even further like yeah. um, into this new material.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of random projects. The last years, um, there was the album with Shackleton, uh, which ended up turning into some weird like doom opera uh it was really? hmm. yeah and uh that was released the end of two thousand seventeen um who was that Shackleton is like a dub uh traditionally yeah like dub producer hmm. from uh from England and he he lives in Berlin. And that was really interesting record to do. Are you
0: singing? Are you speaking?
1: Yeah, we're singing, speaking, whatever. And it's just that's why it's kind of like an an opera because it's like the narrative just runs through the whole thing. Uh And uh, we toured it a tiny bit in Japan, and and we played two festivals in Europe, and then we just never did it again.
0: How was it received in Japan?
1: Um, Yeah, it was reasonably okay Um, because it's a little bit. It was a bit jazzy, like the the way especially live we worked with two other musicians and it was very um yeah that was a very interesting project um you know all the weird projects over the last years have always been something that were a little bit stretching mm-hmm. why you know stretching me and kind of learning learning stuff and uh, just doing something completely unexpected um is it
0: like does the impetus like come from you or is it like someone like approaching you? Like even with Mexico City, like you when you went there, you put together that band. Yeah,
1: yeah well, with Mexico City, yeah. Then um, uh, the reason actually I ended up wanting to go to Mexico from Berlin. Um, I, I got to know a film director in, in Berlin, a young, uh, you know, same same age as me. And uh, we were always we wanted to make some weird film in Berlin, and then he was he had to move back to Mexico, mm-hmm. so he was like, why don't you just come to Mexico? We can do something there. And I wanted to quit music, so uh, so I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And but I can't afford the flight. So he said, oh, but I know some people at Normal Festival writing oh, yeah, them. yeah, of course. Yeah. So then he ended up um, uh, setting giving me some emails of them. So I managed to get a show. And then I was like, oh no, but I don't have a band anymore. So he was like, oh, I, I know a few musicians in Mexico. Here are some uh, of their Facebook profiles. So I wrote to some of them, and then we were on online uh, sending stuff back and forward about um, how to play stuff. And I sent them a video of like a whole concert, and um, so and then I got there a few days before the show, and we managed to put it together and we played. Yeah, amazing. But that that was the band that ended up turning into Exploded View.
0: So what have you never been there? I booked shows mm-hmm. there. Like, what's your um, impression of that city?
1: Uh, well, I love to be there. Um, I think coming from Berlin, where it's very dark and yeah. and and grey, and and right. all the buildings are just, you know, it's a very it's a very industrial place. And you go to Mexico City, and there's just all the houses are painted different colours, and there's you know, there's building sites all in the road, and people are kind of half figuring out things, and and the pace of life is very different. Um, I mean, the reason we started writing uh, the album was because we were often waiting for the drummer to arrive mm-hmm. and he would sometimes be like seven hours late. <laughs> so in, in the meantime, we were jamming and trying stuff and we're like, oh, what happened to, you know, where is he now sort of thing. And that was when we wrote the new material. But, you know, oh. you you learn a lot of different approaches to writing. Um, you know, the reason why that worked and a lot of in the stuff in Berlin didn't at the time, um, was because they they were a lot freer. You know, they, it was a lot more playful. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Berlin, there's a lot of people there that really want to make an album or they want to become a musician. Right. So there's a lot of pressure. You know, it's a lot of like, oh, this I want this to sound like this. There's almost too many... Yeah, there's not this room for creativity. There's not room for messing around.
0: Yeah. So they are maybe a little more... Um, concerned with like the sort of setup of a project and putting something yeah, out and,
1: and how yeah. it's going to be received and and um which is which was the nice thing about the exploded view thing because we weren't we didn't we didn't think we would release it either we um oh, cool. it, it, it was a weird coincidence of uh uh hugo had just Service the tape machine or hugo or martin i can't remember which one and they were like oh let's just set it up and see if it works and then they went and see to see if they had some old tapes and they were like oh yeah let's try this and we just recorded it we recorded the whole thing which meant for them it was a lot of work to cut it they had to go through it and that first album is just jamming
0: oh cool so it's like yeah with what little rehearsal at all or
2: yeah,
1: we were just um, playing and then someone would be like, oh, that sounds cool, let's try again. And it was all just live. Um, the whole thing was just live. Well,
0: how it's... did you, did you already have um, li- your lyrics?
1: No, I just brought an old diary and at the time I was writing it as we were going. Ah, cool. And and a lot of the lyrics, I mean, um, you know, that's why uh, it's always right. Well, I love to work with a band when I can shut off my mind, where I, I lose right. my consciousness almost. Yeah. And But what happens is then a lot of the lyrics end up being a little bit, um, it's like tapping into the psychological unconscious. So um, And at the time I was really struggling with writing with bands because I had a lot of bad experiences in Berlin. Um, so what was coming out in the music was a lot of my issues with, with stuff like Killjoy was about Martin in the band and now he's one of my you know, close friends. But at the time, I was getting so annoyed with him. But I, I I, and so the song is like, Killjoy, calling him a Killjoy, as in Killjoy, little boy, I wrote an ad for astronauts. So why did I get a man of zero thought, mm-hmm. you know, and, and 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 it was just this Yeah, if I if I'm in the right place, you just, you just write and I don't even know what's going on. And it was only after when we read it back. And we're like, Oh, whoops, that was about that. Right.
0: Because I remember some of your performances when when you were coming to New York and yeah. doing those early tours like how it was like you were singing from a diary I mean you had yeah. your book your little yeah. the book you remember I don't know if you still use that in some of your shows
1: I don't know sometimes yeah there I'm, was a little
0: yeah. like moleskin oh, book Oh
1: yeah that was for the we did some like poetry in between it was when Yeah someone had to change settings or something I don't remember Yeah
0: um yeah, because I mean, I would think because uh, your style of writing, I think I've always mm-hmm. been tried to figure out exactly how, when you approach doing that. Mm-hmm. So with this, it was just more stream of conscious when you're in the room while they're yeah. jamming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but do you, had you been, I mean, you obviously, as a, you know, a journalist, I guess you yeah. trained that part of your muscle for writing. Yeah,
1: like, a bit, yeah.
0: Do you do any other, like, more non-fictional stuff for yourself? like If that was a diary, you'd written that before or something?
1: Yeah, I I, I mean, with writing, um, it is something that you have to keep trained, and um, I've been pretty bad the last few years, but um, if I know I'm gonna go and try and write something in a few months, then I try and set up these sort of strict things of like, you know, you write the minute you get up, just a page, and you write Uh when you go to sleep, Mm -hmm. and you don't think about it, you just write it. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of um, that's the hardest thing to combat is this overthinking what you're writing
0: sure yeah. yeah I would think that your environment probably plays a role in that too like where you're living you know
1: Oh uh, definitely yeah but it's these I think it was a John Cage uh, writer someone once gave me this book um, with a lot of writing techniques in it like John Cage writing techniques how to how to get beyond you know the 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 or to 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 break out of these little prisons that you set it for yourself right and like how to um I don't know things like you you pick an object like um in the room and and you describe it as much as you can about in any way and using similes or metaphors or whatever like just really keep breaking and going beyond and going beyond and going beyond to break it down into you know not just what it is
0: oh until more like Abstracted, yeah, uh, as things. much as you can, just right. to really
1: get out of, like, breakthrough. And mm-hmm. and then there's other... There are a lot of exercises, like... Um, and these are really good just to just to help you learn to, like, yeah, like I was saying, break out of these little prisons um, and get further. Right. But I haven't really... I've been a bit bad at that lately. It's something you, yeah, you should do quite regularly. Well,
0: sure. I mean, yeah, the discipline of writing is pretty pretty difficult i mean even doing this show which I, i've been doing for a while but i took like i fell out of the practice of it so i just uh, it got harder with each passing day it was yeah. harder for me to get motivated to do it again and i just forced myself back in this pretty new that i've been doing this like a, maybe a couple of weeks hmm. after over maybe six months and i think and after leaving new york and moving here it took me it changed a lot of my one-time pretty frequent routines like yeah. artistically so um so yeah and i feel like for you i mean there's some there's a lot of time in between your projects too so like are are you yeah,
1: not really i mean it's just been there was just a lot going on I mean, in the last years um, i also did this thing with uh, a polish hip-hop group like i was oh, yeah? well i did a they they organized a tour for me once in poland and then we became friends and then i, I ended up doing stuff on their hmm. one of their albums what what are they called uh cine like s y n y and then i did the thing with dave clark and the thing with um uh, tea ranch meal and the thing with camera oh so
0: yeah so then like it's all
1: these little bits here and there and it, it's just been a lot of touring you know a right. lot of moving and things like with the Mexico with the exploded view that really just took up a lot of time yeah you know and then every time uh, I'd go to Mexico I'd move out of my house in Berlin because I couldn't afford rent when I was away so I'd like actually move out not just sublet, because right. I so I'd end up that always just took time to move out and then to to go back find a new place move in again
0: so you would just move out and then move in to, like when you went a to mexico place when i was in mexico to, right. to
1: move back into when i got home and my i'd always move my stuff into friend's storage it was very it was just a lot of like just constantly the the only way to survive by just doing music was to keep moving the mm-hmm. minute you stayed still the minute you would have costs or your expenses would be sure. higher yeah so the way to survive for about five years was just to keep moving.
0: So then you're pretty, um, you must be quite a minimalist.
1: Yeah, every time I moved I would bring a box of books to, uh, there was an English bookshop that would buy some of my old books of me and then the, you know the same with clothes, like there was a place that would resell some like if I had. So I just constantly have this small amount that was rotating. So with yeah. books, I'd always, you know, make sure after a while you get rid of some. Same with records, same with everything.
0: When was the last time you lived in England? Has it been a long time?
1: Yeah, that was, I think, 2011.
0: Oh, wow. So then Berlin and now and Mexico kind of are where you bounce back and forth.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And if you, I, I did a residency in Iran for three months.
0: In Tehran? Yeah. What was that experience like?
1: Oh, it was really interesting. What was the residency? Uh, It was with Border Movement and uh, Goethe Institute. And Border Movement are based in Berlin and um, they uh, they exchange um, electronic musicians normally between I think that they do something in Sri Lanka and Pakistan and Tehran. That was the first year they were doing it. Oh wow. it was a bit of a random thing I also didn't um, I've applied for a lot of stuff in the past for funding and for residencies and I never got any of them and this one I just got a phone call out of the blue mm-hmm. saying like oh um, would you be up for going to Iran for three months and I was like hmm sounds interesting when they were like oh in three weeks time oh, wow. so you would have to start the visa process now and I was like oh I had been enrolled in in something like a, a school like learning thing so I had to cancel that and I just decided to just go but I had no idea where I was going or who was really responsible for sending me there Uh and and then they didn't know where you were staying well no they only sent me the address finally like the day before they Uh sent me the itinerary which started with day one uh, pick up Annika from um, the hotel meet and greet with local artists and then it it, it went all the way to like day 62. There was nothing in between. Day 62, pick up Anna, bring her to the airport, and I was like, "What do I do?"
0: Wait, there was just the pickup and the drop off. Yeah, those are the only things. And
1: then a, and then a metro map that was all in farsi, so I couldn't read it anyway. And then the hotel address. So wow. I just forwarded this email to my sister saying, "I'm going here, but I don't quite know where I'm going right. or who's responsible for it." If you don't hear anything from me, this is the address. Like, um, well, that but, was
0: wise, just in case. You know. Just
1: in case, but so I ended up getting there, um, and they said to me, "You can't bring any music equipment because it might you might get trouble." Mm-hmm. The, they, they need to go through all your bags when you get there. Right. So I was like, uh, okay, fine. So uh, so I ended up, I I landed in Tehran, but my my flight had been delayed, which I didn't realize. Um, so I get through. Security And come out, and there's this cab driver with my name, and he's, he's just shouting at me in Farsi, and I don't know what he's trying to say. Or, and finally, I realised that he just got a parking ticket because he was waiting for two hours. Uh-huh. But he—he he was the only one to pick me up. He drives me to this hotel in the in the dark. Oh, yeah. We arrive, and I'm like, okay. And I walk in the hotel, and there's no one at the desk, and we're trying to see where everyone is. This guy finally walks out and says, "Oh." um, Miss Henderson, we've been expecting you. And I was like, oh, this is extremely scary. Yeah. He's like, it shows me to the room. I walk in and the phone rings and, and I'm like, where is the phone? I'm looking around the room. turns out it's in the bathroom. I'm like, hello? And um, and it's uh, a lady who says, oh, uh, this is um, blah, blah, blah from the German embassy or something. Um, We'll meet you in the lobby tomorrow at 8 a.m. And it was like, 3 a.m. in the morning and I was like, okay. <laughs> like, wow. It was the most surreal experience ever.
0: So then how what was the rest of your time there like? When did it start to even out or was yeah, it then, like that every day?
1: No, then it was okay. It turned out um so it was the Goethe Institute were helping me a lot out there, which is like a, a, a German language institute. Oh, okay,
0: yeah, I'm not familiar with them.
1: And uh, yeah, they're sort of they're not officially based in Iran. They're they kind of have a few people there at the language school. But it was weird because yeah, the first day I had a meet and greet with local musicians, um, so that I just got a lot of numbers and contacts. And then after that, I was just left to my own devices. But they, I said, oh, so do you have a, a studio for me or some equipment? And they were like, what do you mean? What 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 do you need? Because they just didn't know what to do with me. You know, they right. they'd normally welcomed dip, diplomats or language students. Oh, because this was the first time they yeah. even tried to do this. right? So, so I was like, Oh, I need to get some, maybe some monitors cause I need to, you know, work. And they were like, what, what you, what are monitors? You mean a screen? I was like, no, like boxes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was a bit like that. And it was a lot, it took a long time, about a month just to get in to things.
0: Because there's bands there. So there's definitely rock bands there, like garage and punk bands, sort of. Yes. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it goes through uh, phases in in Tehran about how strict they are on stuff like that. Oh. Because there was a famously a film made about the more uh, band scene, um, but uh, most of the rehearsal spaces were sort of shut down. And and now I think the scene is bigger again. This was in to, end of 2015, and it was just mm. um, yeah, like. They were just opening up a little bit to the West again. But it was, um, yeah, it, it's pretty hard to get into things.
0: What was it like? What was like your free time?
1: Like... Yeah, well, that was the weird thing because there's... Did always... you have any? Yeah, I had a lot to myself at the beginning because I didn't really get to know anyone until right. quite a while. So I had a guide. There was this one man that um, used to... In the day, we just go around places and 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 try to get in to the scene. Um, you know, Iran's a place where it's a lot about the public and the private. Mm-hmm. You know, so so things are very much in the private sphere. Um, so uh, and there's no bars, obviously. So in the night, and as a woman, I wouldn't really leave and walk around on my own after eight p.m. So mm-hmm. so from eight p.m., I'd be in the hotel. Um, And I just sat there learning Farsi for the moment. And luckily I got got them to move me to an apartment because I I just couldn't stand being in this hotel for three months. Yeah. Uh, And, um, you know, as a vegetarian, um, there was only one vegetarian dish on the menu of the hotel and there was no kitchen. So I was like, after three months, I kind of want to get out of there. So um so yeah I managed to get an apartment in the middle of Hafta Tier which is like central yeah and just uh you know wore just wore a long trench coat and a headscarf and was just taking the metro everywhere and exploring the city and it was great Oh cool I learned a lot of Farsi which I've forgotten now
0: But I mean I guess to survive and like communicate there that's that's pretty amazing that you can uh Yeah cuz it's a complex language yeah so, well, did you read it
1: Yeah, well, i learned i learned things like the numbers and um wow. so because so, i'd go i i, I wanted to uh, um yeah i like i've always had this photo well, i used to have a phobia of like tax well not phobia but i didn't really like taxis or uh or ordering stuff on the phone um there or just like in general just, in general mm. i always had a problem it was even worse there because you of course get someone speaking farsi so uh, so I ended up just always going to like the markets to buy groceries and things. So I, I learned, uh, how to say, you know, like a pound of tomatoes or whatever and learn to read the numbers and, um, stuff like that, which was, pretty wow, cool.
0: what an experience, yeah. um, There was a band in brooklyn that i was very close to called the yellow dogs i don't know if you know the story yeah Yeah, yeah, it was was very tragic but they were oh you knew the band oh i knew them quite well yeah Yeah, we did shows together Uh, i I booked shows for them that was like not that was around the same time that you were kind of touring and coming to the u.s but yeah yeah, we did lots of like those all those venues that you probably remember glasslands and like death by audio yeah and then uh um i put together a big benefit Hmm. show for them, after the murders happened, mm. which was just like a bizarre tragedy, because it was yeah. like their friend yeah, that they so traveled right. yeah, with, exactly, yeah. yeah, sort of turned on them in this like twisted way. Um, but yeah, I've always wanted to go to that city. It seems like a beautiful place. I mean, yeah,
1: uh, it's really like uh, so beautiful, and the people are so friendly. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, music. Did you were you able to connect with people? Like, did you feel like you accomplished? something when you were there yeah,
1: I mean finally, by the end I got to know uh, different groups and there's some really interesting uh, electronic music coming out there and oh, cool. um, yeah, like there's also a lot of hackers and because of the restrictions there um people you know everyone has figured out how to use a VPN, even mm-hmm. if it's the little kids or the um the grannies because everyone needs it in order to have a Facebook account or whatever oh, right. Go on YouTube or have a yeah. Google mail so. Um, so Otherwise
0: it's all like kind of blocked, right? Yeah,
1: mostly, yeah. And uh, the internet anyway is kind of like up and down certain times a day when it, you get a bit of signal and it's okay. So you, you end up having a lot, especially in the music scene, in the electronic scene, a lot of the people are also hackers or coders or yeah. or something because it goes with it, you know. Um, but it was, very, it was very interesting to... Uh, meet people who have a very different approach to music yeah you know and um and the way especially people of my generation there um their only access to like western music was someone had gotten a legal copy of like a radiohead cd and they'd all share it you know oh, amazing and the internet has changed that a bit because people yeah. have more access yeah. uh, which makes you also realize how important it is um to get your music out there in different ways you know it's not about always album sales or some people don't have that access to your music yeah um yeah and it was really fascinating to yeah see
0: yeah i think that perspective is like a pretty um like uh invaluable one to have when you travel to places that all, that people don't readily go to or that are difficult to yeah. to reach and you realize that there's still the same amount well there's there's like populations of people that are interested and want to be engaged with, with cool adventurous art type shit, but they have no, they don't have the same, you know, unlimited access that say the Western world might that like, there's ways to accommodate them. You have to be extra creative and probably a little more like, um, ingenuitive or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I wonder if you could ever go back and perform, or if that's something. Did you do? Did you perform your songs at all there?
1: Uh, well, it's it's illegal for like a woman to sing uh, on her own. Um, really? Yeah. Mm. So, which was always a bit weird because I was like, why did they send me on a residency here? Uh, it, uh, it was mostly because actually they had they wanted to send an electronic female musician, and the right. ones they asked couldn't do it, so they sent me. I was oh, like, wow. Tenth on their list. But, um, <laughs> but that was funny, it, you know, It was a, it, to get around, to figure out a way around the restriction. And, and I did actually end up performing a little bit in a sort of a private um, space, um, near the end. But I was, Ooh. I was kind of shit scared that I would get arrested. Um, especially cause everyone was filming it and putting it on Twitter, like the videos. Yeah, so right. I was like, you're just, <laughs> cause everyone has phones out there. Right. And it was only after that, um, I did this uh, live music performance uh, at the Azadi Tower in the center, which is like this big um, monument and it was for the German reunification anniversary, Um, so yeah, it must have been this time uh, in 2015. Um, And I was really scared then and I remember there was a just, um, so I was right in the middle of this concrete roundabout with no security apart from this one guy that looks about 17 in a suit (laughs) that was too big for him. Uh And uh, he just kept coming over and he was like, do you have an Instagram account? And I'm like, what do you mean Instagram? Because 2015, I didn't have one. And he was like, oh, yeah, I can get you a load of followers. Just like, uh, and I was like, what are you on about? (laughs) So it was only after that that I got an Instagram account. Because everyone was Instagramming and were really ahead with
0: stuff. Interesting, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. What was
0: know. that what was your Polish tour? That was just in it wasn't just Krakow it was all over the country or no, something. No,
1: it was all over. It was in uh, we played maybe five shows. Um
0: Amazing. Yeah. Please tell me about that.
1: Yeah, it was great. I mean it, it was weird actually playing cuz the it's these two guys and um their live show was uh fantastic like it's, so It was a, hip, it's a hip-hop yeah, group? It's a hip-hop group. Like a duo? Yeah, uh-huh. but there is, it's quite political as well, and it's quite a lot, because in Poland, the, the politics is, is pretty complicated. Oh, there. yeah. So, um, but they have a great live show, great sound, and one of the guys uses a lot of Space Echo, like proper big oh, ones cool. on, on stage. Oh, cool, Which cool. is where there was a link, even though um, their crowds were often very hip-hop. Yeah. And it was very, a lot of, it did feel a bit testosterone in the small rooms, you know. But Sure, I uh, can see that. Yeah. But were
0: you performing with them during their set or you no, were opening? I did. I
1: opened with the solo show. Cool. And uh, so they were then because they're pretty known in Poland and I don't know how known. I, I think I wasn't so known there.
0: But they dug like your music. And yeah, they got it. in
1: cool. contact and they were like, oh, we would, uh, you know, we'd love to help you do a tour in Poland because I'd never performed there. Yeah. It was really, really, uh, really great actually. I had a lot of, and they ended up being my sound engineers and, uh, and good friends. And, oh, amazing.
0: Because so was- when you play So, you know, my parents immigrated to the U.S. from Hungary. So all my relatives live in Hungary. And I've been there many times. But like in Budapest, you know, people sometimes play there. It's not like on the top of many people's European tour list because it's hard to make. It's not a very good economy there, so it's hard to make money there. But I'm always fascinated with touring, one touring in Eastern Europe, but choosing one country and doing a bunch of shows because... Inevitably, you're gonna probably play some pretty small like villages and shit, or some small towns. I would imagine. Like, what was how did, you know, because there's only a couple big cities in Poland. I mean, well, unless they were, I maybe misinformed a little bit. But.
1: Yeah, they were all. I mean, all the shows had pretty good turnout. Obviously, Ooh. because I was doing it with a a group that had sure. a following. Yeah. I think it was about five or four or five shows, and um, yeah, they were quite big because we did one in poznan um mm. uh, one in uh oh virtual or Vush. it's got a funny i can't i don't uh-huh. even i i've forgotten now i have to find the poster again but yeah they were they, they were reasonable attendances cool. yeah
0: yeah that's cool yeah i like i just like the idea of that you like are kind of traveling to these lesser um you know exposed places yeah. you know and doing especially doing like Doing stuff to, um, doing songs to audiences that, like, might not be familiar at all with what you're doing. You know, there's something kind of like, um, you know, powerful about that. You know, it's like.
1: Yeah, well, also, like, the way that this solo show was working, I mean, the reason I started to do the solo show was because, you know, sometimes when you play with a, um, well at the very beginning it was almost like an anti-second album because I didn't want to just go and record something and then perform it. It was a way to change the way uh, people were consuming music and you know I think when you're playing live you mm-hmm. have a very different it's a very different experience. So I was writing a lot of stuff that has never been recorded or released cool. and you can only hear it if you're there at the show and now it's um I'm doing less new stuff actually than I did at the beginning, but it's still weird versions of the original album and a lot of text and a lot more, it's a, it's a bit more interactive. You know, it, it has this, it really, um, it can be quite confrontational for the audience. Um, and, in
0: what way? Because of how you're doing the songs? or
1: Yeah, in a way, yeah. Um, well, you have
0: a certain level of stoicism on stage as well, right? I mean, you could probably admit that to a certain degree. I don't degree.
1: know, but that's why it's nice then to do this solo show because it's even more of that, and and it's kind of a way. And a lot of the texts are quite political, and um, uh, and uh, there are cert- there's some a uh, bit more poetry in it. that's mm-hmm. sort of, and it's just this thing about um, remembering the function of music for different things, you know. As a yeah. A, yeah. And yeah, I don't know, it's just even in Iran, I remember after the show, people came over and they were just like, oh, you just made it seem so easy and it was so vulnerable and like, we haven't seen that before, you know? And it's this thing of making it also possible for other people and and making it, you know, not, music isn't just this commodity that is released and and you buy and you listen to a a party. It has different functions and it's more just, I don't know, just trying to give something else or... Um, And that's why I I love to play in smaller places or in in markets that often don't really get so much stuff. Because, yeah, it just gives this different uh, representation of music as a platform, you know, Mm. something else.
0: Do you think that that's like kind of why maybe at different periods of time you were sort of drove yourself to like quitting and then picking back up again or something like that?
1: I don't know. Well, it's usually the quitting comes from like, why am I doing this? What's the point? I'm not right. making any money anywhere. And I've had enough of living off a can of soup. So just like, <laughs> who cares? And, and, right. Or or sometimes, you know, it kind of happens every, every few days um, of every week. You're like, oh, you know what? I just can't be bothered anymore. What's the point? Uh, yeah. Or you know. And um, so I don't know. Yeah. But the weird thing is every time I quit, I think when you really decide to quit, you can see again things you know sometimes when you focus too much on something and or you take it too seriously or whatever like your view becomes shut off to everything around you and the minute you quit it's like it makes space for new things
0: oh absolutely yeah
1: so it's been very interesting yeah what came up in those times i mean the iran residency came when i also wanted to quit because that happened after mexico um, and I that was when we, I thought the Exploded view stuff wasn't really particularly interesting. So I then went to Iran um, by accident, and mm-hmm. and and after Iran, I finished the Exploded view album because it was like gave power to do that. Yeah. And then, I, yeah, yeah.
0: I think that I mean for a lot of people though, that's a pretty difficult thing to do. Like being able to also like being able to live move often yeah. and like live like a pretty like minimalistic mm-hmm. like you know sell shit and go and then like yeah. pick up again like it's like kind of like it
1: takes a lot of energy though it takes a lot I would of imagine. energy yeah
0: it's and you have to be like pretty resilient i would think you yeah, know to like pretty much yeah to kind of travel on the fly and stuff but
1: yeah it's a lot of trust as well i think people underestimate how much trust you have to have in like people and in in right. humanity in in everything, you know, because you're putting your life in people's hands all the time. Like it's a, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Like even on the last U.S. tour, there were a few situations where I just had to really trust people, you know. Yeah. Because you're suddenly you're screwed. You're on your own in the middle of nowhere, yeah. and you need and you have to accept someone's help, which is difficult sometimes. For
0: sure. Yeah, I feel like the tour that the the big tour that we did was definitely probably tried uh, some of that because it was because uh, it was also going. It was pretty adventurous, yeah. admittedly, um, because it was going all over the country yeah. too, and uh, really going to some places that probably didn't deserve you. Um, but um, I but know, yeah, uh, no. I, maybe that's a poor word uh, yeah. choice. But um, yeah, because that was like a pretty arduous journey yeah. in some ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, driving around the whole of the states, it was uh, it's, it's, it's extremely exhausting, and it's it's very it takes a lot of time. You know? I
0: remember one of the last times I think, I... well, I don't know if it was a lot one of the last times I saw yeah. you, but I met up with you and the band um, yeah. in Princeton, yeah. New, New Jersey. Um, yeah, that was funny. And um, you made this comment about bagels that like oh. I, like always stuck with me for some reason because it's yeah. like because they're so it's just like such a uh, condensed like mass of bread and um there was like we were all eating at some diner or something and someone was like eating a bagel and you kind of gave this like kind of critical like analysis of bagels and uh yeah and uh just how it's like you're basically like eating like a loaf of bread or something like that and um i just i can't repeat it verbatim because it was so long ago it was like nearly 10 20, 10 years ago but uh it always stuck with me so now i try to be conservative with my bagel eating because of that oh,
1: really I yeah mean, uh, but bagels are good I like bagels, bagels. they're great yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah definitely there's I, not know. enough
1: of them in berlin you know there's a few trying oh, to do it but there's
0: no. very few in this city i can tell you that los angeles is definitely not known for its bagels no. so um but uh, yeah, I mean that was like I think that touring period of time there were some g- great highlights for me mm-hmm. too. I mean, seeing you um, at at Hammerstein Ballroom. I think you did. Did you do the um, uh, Portishead show there? No,
1: we just went to the show. Oh, we did because
0: yeah. it was it was the weekend of all tomorrow's we, we, parties. Yeah,
1: we played uh, Le Poisson Rouge.
0: Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, and then I wonder if that was the same time as the New Jersey, as yeah, um, was, Asbury yeah, Park. Yeah. yeah, I think so, yeah. Which was really quite amazing, too. Oh, yeah, that was. Because cool. that was probably one of, it might have been the last All Tomorrow's Parties in the U.S., too. um Barry, I know, has closed the book on yeah,
1: that. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he had to stop about. I remember because um, I was supposed to do the ATP in Iceland in 2000. Oh, yeah. and, uh 14 or 13 and uh sadly it got canceled so i would never been to iceland i was really oh, sad yeah. about it i that.
0: went last year on a road trip that was beautiful oh, yeah
2: yes
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so i that, would get that,
0: out of Reykjavik mm-hmm. as soon as possible but when you get there i mean it's just oh, really? all a fucking, it's all americans oh, walking okay, around yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um but it's still beautiful yeah uh yeah, so oh yeah so i guess that was the last their last yeah, that attempt.
1: was. yeah that was when they had to just cut everything they weren't really yeah it was a bit of a shame Cause they, they, yeah. But I think Bear is still going. He's doing something else now. I think he lives in Spain. Oh, oh he's cool. Doing, he's doing, I, I don't remember. I think the label is just about still going.
0: Oh, good. I mean, for what it's worth, his, his like, um, you know, ability to curate lineups is yeah, pretty unmatched. His curation unmatched. was, was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, it was remarkable. Yeah. And his choice of venue too were always like super unique and yeah, challenging and stuff.
1: I think he was just very optimistic of um, the public. You know, that was the problem. He he was curating these fantastic lineups in in very special spaces. But sadly, the amount of people that are interested in that is just not enough, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's probably
0: even less now, I would imagine. I wonder. Yeah. You don't, we take that stuff for granted now. Like these moments, like in time, like that there was like a bill one year with you and like Public Enemy and like Portishead and... I think, um, uh, who's the band from Athens, Georgia, the guy passed away. Um, another great mm-hmm. group from the eighties and nineties, but yeah, I mean, those were really yes. amazing moments. Hmm.
1: Um, yeah, there was, God, I mean, I, I played another one with Godspeed
0: how cool. and
1: with, um, Nick cave and PJ Harvey and Portishead, And it was a really, I can't remember who else. Yeah.
0: Are they do artists like that? Are they acknowledging your work? Do people reach out and be like? Sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's random. Uh, um, I remember from yeah, like a it was the yeah, yeah, Yeahs, um a few years ago. Uh, well, they they um, invited me to the to their ATP in uh-huh. um, in London, and then in the interview about one of their albums, I think um, it was saying, oh yeah, it was, took a lot of inspiration from the Annika record. And oh, that was dope. kind of random with stuff like that where you think, oh, and then um, I don't remember. But yeah, if you reach out and it's sort of surprising, yeah.
0: Yeah, because I feel like, I mean, and just as an outsider's perspective on your work too, I mean, I think that uh, you exist like in a pretty like unique space as far as yeah. the kind of music that you make. That's sort of like at times a little like anti-music too, yeah. which is cool. I mean, there's less and less of that, I think. Yeah these days because even people that at one time were a little more experimental like realize I mean there's you know pluses and minuses to that because it's a it needs to be you need to make some sort of living off of it as well but that uh yeah I just think that it's um pretty amazing that like you know that there's someone like you doing this kind of work too so it's cool yeah and that there's like these things now I didn't realize that some of these other projects that I was completely Mm. unaware of too
1: yeah, I mean that's I think that's the problem. Sometimes I'm kinda of bad at promotion and even with the Shackleton record, um, he decided to self release it, which meant it just a lot of people just don't know about right. it. And um he got um, hard wax uh to do the promotion in Germany, and they're just very specific. Um, yeah. You know, they have a yeah, a reach to only a very certain community, and yeah, that's sometimes a shame. But at the same time, it's okay because it just means everything runs very slowly. And even the fact that the the first album is still only being discovered now, and and has right. been recently picked up for quite a few syncs on Netflix. Yeah. Oh
0: nice. I saw it was reissued too last year or this year.
1: Um Now when you
0: say the first um are you are you talking about the, the, the self-titled killer, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah
1: okay. So but uh, yeah it was sort of well I know well Invader repressed it because they ran out ages exactly. ago on um and uh, but yeah it was a uh, um yeah it's just weird how it was picked up for this yeah. Russian doll um series um oh, cool. the Netflix one. And a lot of people still only now are like, "Oh, I just discovered the record," you know, because they think it's new, and it's just like, right. oh, "Okay." But at the time, it would, didn't fit in either, so it just—I don't know—it just keeps on going somehow.
0: I love it. I mean, it's what—it's my—that's—that um, was my introduction to your work. Yeah. I mean, it was—it was Wolf, it was Peanut Butter Wolf that yeah. sent me that educated me to your to the your work before the record came out, too, way back then. I mean, two thousand ten yeah. or right. eleven. Um, yeah, I mean, so what do you have going on right now? I mean, obviously you're playing Desert Days, so yeah, um, well, and this, this is you yeah, solo.
1: Yeah, that's cool. A, yeah, um, but that was sort of a weird. I don't know. I, I didn't plan on coming back before the new the, before this new material out, but this they just randomly got in touch, and I've got another show in um, on Halloween uh, in New York. Oh, fun! Oh, uh, with Vice thing. Just again, I thought this would be the end, but then they. Um, you keep Began. getting
0: pulled back in.
1: Oh, I know, I know. Will it be
0: you by yourself in New York or is it with Yeah, sex? also
1: by myself. I might maybe I'll bring a guitarist, I'm not sure yet. But um but actually the intention at the moment is to just go away and write some more. And I've got a few open collaborations at the moment that aren't finished, but I'm hoping um one should be done by the end of the year, but that's kind of a weird album, but maybe it'll be released on a label. Um what's weird about it? Well, it's more—it's with uh, Sounds Collective, so they—they their the music the the music could be used in in a in a museum exhibition or a gallery exhibition. They've done stuff at no. the Pompidou. They've done stuff with Patty Smith that was released on on record but they've done stuff with Nan Golding that was in the context of a So
0: what is it an orchestra or something or No
1: they're they're sound uh, artists so they they use a lot of field recordings oh, cool. so the um they've basically they have a load of material and uh, we've been working with that and turning it into music and and um and then I'm working with texts and so it, I don't know what it's going to end up as an whether it'll be an album or an installation I don't know um but we're mm-hmm. finishing that in uh before the end of the year and then there's two other collaborations that are open and i want to do my own thing
0: so where would you like if you were to go write somewhere what would how would you envision that space
1: uh well i've been mostly working in other people's setups um the last 10 years and it's got to the point when i really want to i'm i'm, I'm at the moment building a studio in berlin so i want to work on my own yeah in my own space which is why Annika too has still not happened yet
0: Oh, so that's what, it might require that then for for that to be completed.
1: Yeah, Yeah, either going back to Bristol or figuring, but that also never... so would
0: would that be with Beak?
1: I don't know, maybe. No, but not with Beak. I mean, Beak doesn't exist anymore. It does, but not the original lineup, yeah. Oh, I see. Because Matt is no longer in Beak. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it would make sense. I mean, I would love to work with Jeff again. Mm -hmm. And maybe if Billy would have fancied it or whatever. I think, you know... But uh, I don't know, it doesn't feel right to go. It's like stepping backwards. It doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah. Uh, but in a way, it, it could be interesting to go record it in the new Invader Studios and maybe with uh, Jeff in the background because, you know, I think Jeff is, has got such great ideas and it's very, very. He's, he's pretty brilliant. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, that. who knows? But he's also very honest. He'd be like, "No, nah, to be honest, I can't be bothered." You know. <laughs> I know.
0: So. That's what I love about him. Yeah. He's pretty. Um, uh, he's a very opinionated person, yeah. which is kind of nice and rare as well.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I think he, he was. He's been asked on a number of occasions to produce pretty big, um, already established artists, and on some occasions um, he accepted it. Most of the time, I think he doesn't accept oh, it. Nice. On some occasions, he accepted it, went there. Um, was sort of standing in the background and sort of showing them how to do it for themselves. And then right. after a few days was like, okay, yeah, it seems like you can do it without me, bye. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, they, so yeah. he re- prefers that, you know, he's mm. not, he's definitely not a possessive um, uh, music uh, producer or anything like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, Yeah. I can't wait to see now that we're like, you know, starting like a new mm-hmm. decade and uh, and that like, we're also like in pretty like tumultuous like times historically too. Uh, cause I don't know how engaged you get with politics now, um, mm. or disengaged. Uh, mm. I'm pretty disengaged, but I mean it's hard to be even if yeah. you try. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this is like a perfect time for yeah. more music of yours to come out in writing and stuff
1: like that. Yeah, we see, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, we just have to keep figuring out what to do in this time, how to engage with what's going on, how to interact. And, and um, yeah, we see. Mm-hmm. It's never, I mean, it's never been conscious, any of it. It was never a conscious thing. In the end, music is is more like an interaction with reality. So in the end, if that's the reality, then that's, you know, like with um, No One's There was was just because it was written in that time, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, we see. yeah, and I'm, well, also I'm just grateful that like you're, you know, there's still opportunities to see you perform even if it's like here or there kind of randomly, but it's yeah. just like a special treat in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I don't um, know, well, it's always a bit random because it's definitely not just like playing the album, you know, it's gonna be something different.
0: Yeah, uh, as it
2: should be
1: yeah i think so yeah but yeah i mean some people are disappointed who knows but that's that's okay usually it's it's like marmite the first record was like marmite anyway you either love it or hate it and um the same with the live show divides again the people that are there and some are like what is this but i think that's more interesting than you know, I think everyone needs to have their own cause or reason or way. There's no right way or wrong way. But at the moment, it's, that seems like the right thing for me. So
0: Yeah. Well, Why I'm try? grateful to see you again, even after these years, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish you the best of luck with everything.
1: Oh, well, thanks. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: Thanks. All right, y'all. Cool. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Peter Agostin. I'm the host and producer of this show. You've been listening to the House List podcast, my weekly podcast. Uh, shout out to my guest, Annika. What a, what a cool, uh, inspiring artist. I'm actually going to go back now because I learned about that album that she did with Shackleton. Behind the Glass from 2017. I've never listened to that record. So that's what what I'm going to go back to and kind of check out in her catalog I also noticed that the debut release, and we mentioned this in the conversation, her self-titled album has been uh, reissued on wax too. So if you didn't get it the last time, it came out this year. So on Invada Records, uh, the Jeff Barrow's label. So scope that out if you possibly can. Remember, uh, subscribe to the show. If you know anyone that might be a fan of Annika's music and would like to hear this conversation, please, by all means, share it with them. And uh, yeah, Um, I'm gonna pick A cool song of hers to go out on as i kind of flip through the crates a little bit and i guess i'll catch you guys next week good looking out peace y'all i'm out of here
2: to climb inside my head. I try today to leave my thoughts, yet you insist on driving